The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, The Athletic's podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club, fresh off the back of the thrill ride that was transfer deadline day. But for once, none of the big headlines came at the last minute, or at Villa Park. In a window where Messi and Ronaldo both moved, there was a big move for Lukaku, and of course, all the craziness with Villa. The last day provided very little by the way of excitement for Villa fans. Joined as ever by the Athletics' Aston Villa correspondent, Greg Evans. How was your day off yesterday, mate? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to say it was a day off, but it was probably busier than ever for uh, reasons I won't go into because they'll be too boring. But uh, yeah, not much happening at Villa, was there? No, you didn't have to. It, it, Villa didn't really impact your day at all, did they, yesterday? <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. It was, it was probably the quietest day uh, in terms of Villa reporting that I've ever had as a journalist, so... Um, look, look, look it, for me, it's a positive thing because it means that Villa have got the house in order um, well in advance of, of deadline day. And I always feel that teams who are very active on deadline day are panicking almost and are um, uh, reacting to, to things that have gone wrong. So I think it was a good thing that Villa didn't have to do too much. Yeah, I read your piece that came out this morning, actually. And I've got to say, I agreed with pretty much everything you said, which is not the popularist view on Villa Twitter, but... I'm quite happy with how how the transfer window went for Villa. I thought your piece summarised it quite well. You kind of think as well, if Villa had sold Grealish and then gone on to get Bailey, Ings and Buendia after that, I think fans might look at it a little bit differently. Do, do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think the point I was trying to make was that if, if, if Bailey or Ings had have come in on transfer deadline day, for example then Villa fans would be really excited now going into the the next game. But the fact that they were brought in much earlier in the window has almost taken away some of that excitement. But if you think of it as a long-term strategic plan, Villa wanted these players in as soon as possible so that Dean Smith could bed them in and so that they could work on getting results as quickly as possible. If they'd have got them in on transfer deadline day, three games would have already passed um, and it might have hindered results. So, look, that was the aim over the summer, was to get these players in quickly, and, and they did that. So I think, privately, Dean Smith would probably have still wanted another um, midfielder at some point, but he would have had to move somebody on to do that. You know, I, what I wrote in, in my piece is that the long debate really is Villa would like a player that could break up play like Nakamba and pass the ball like Louise and have a mixture of the two of them in defensive midfield. They're probably going to address that in the next window or the next summer. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk more about transfer deadline day as the show goes on. But Greg, you, you weren't at the game, were you? On Saturday, fans are back. Greg Evans goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Second, second, uh, second home game, and I'm uh, taking a day off. That's that's not that's not a great sign, is it? But um, no, look, you know, I'd, I'd had a bit of holiday booked in advance. Um, I like to try and uh, take some of the weekends off before the summer's over. So I played a bit of golf and um, and got myself out of Birmingham and had a few drinks too many. So it was all good fun. And you're off on international duty, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So co- covering the uh, Hungary versus England game t- tomorrow in Budapest, which is, is really exciting. I've done a lot of the pre-match stuff um, with, with Gareth Southgate, Harry Maguire, um, Patrick Bamford. Uh, I, I really enjoyed, enjoyed chipping in with, with some of the England coverage during the Euros and, and, and it obviously helped with 
uh, Jack Grealish, who was a Villa player, obviously at the time, and, and Tyrone Mings being involved in the England squad. Um, you know, forever grateful for the Athletic for giving me that you know platform to to write on. So yeah, um, looking forward to that. Just be won't be any Villa representatives though. Well, tomorrow with with Mings out injured. Which is fair. We both had international call ups, haven't we? At the Athletic. So yeah, I think we're doing, doing something, something right. We're doing something right. Great. They like good. these Midlands lads, don't they? You know, there's something about us. Think, think there's yeah. something about us. We, we, we you know, we, we don't like to blow our own trumpets, but I think, I think we're all right, mate. Yeah, good, good things going on. A good, a, a good time to be, a, be from the Midlands, I, I would say, and, and to celebrate the new season, the Athletic are offering a 33% discount on all new subscriptions at the moment, so you can read all the great stuff on the Athletic and all Greg stuff as well. You'll also get ad-free versions of all the podcasts, including this one. To sign up, just go to theathletic.com slash villapod and you will get a third off your new subscription. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. Let's analyse transfer deadline day then. We, we touched on it a little bit. And actually while you were talking, Greg, about, about the midfielder, about having like kind of a cross between Nakamba and Louise, in some ways I think at times last season, they're kind of getting McGinn to do that role. Aren't they? Because he, I think his passing can be under underrated. I think his passing goes under the radar at times, and he's breaking up with the players actually, actually quite good as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And and I interviewed him um, last last season, and and, and we, we we digged a, we went a little bit deeper on his position. You know what he like, where he likes to play most, where he feels he's the most effective. Um, and he was in he was in a bit of a fl- state of flux really last last summer uh, last season because. He wasn't playing in attacking midfield as much as he was before. He was asked to play more in a two, in, in a defensive midfield role. Um, and he wasn't sort of asked to go and press on the um, opposition back line as much as he had done in previous seasons. So it was a little bit of a transition season for him as well, I felt. And um, he had some good games, I thought. Yeah, obviously, obviously had some bad games as well. There was a period where Villa fans were, were, were starting to get on his back a little bit. I thought that was um, a little bit harsh because you know I always look at him as a player who, even when he isn't playing so well, he brings a lot to the team, doesn't he? With his with his effort and his energy, um, and, and without without him, Villa are a completely different side. I think that they, they, they lack something in the middle. So um, I just still think that they're they're just. They're just working out the midfield, aren't they? What's best? And there were bright signs when Jacob Ramsey came in there against Newcastle. I thought he brought a little bit of a different element to the, to, to the midfield because he, he drove with the ball quickly and, and won it back and, and always looked to pass forward. I, I liked that about him. Um, yeah, look, let, let's see how the season progresses, but I just feel like that is the area still that we're just not 100% sure of, of, of what is the best midfield option for Villa. There's enough there, though, isn't there? You, there's you enough. Listed off the op- you listed the options. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely enough because there's six players. Um, you know, a couple, a couple of youngsters, admittedly, with Chuck Wemker and and and, and Ramza. but the six midfielders there and all different types of options. Um, Johan Langer was was obviously the man who pushed heavily for Morgan Sanson. So I think that was a little bit in their thinking in this window that they didn't want to get another midfielder because Langer obviously wants Sanson to work. Um, but they did want one, didn't they? Because they wanted Ward Prowse. So obviously, for the right player, they'd, yeah. do, they'd do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apologies. Um, what I meant was, if they could find a player, i.e. Ward Prowse, who they thought would come in and significantly improve the midfield, they would have done that. It wasn't a case of, let's just get anybody in. You know, the case of Borgia Baston a couple of seasons ago, just to fill a, just to fill a space. 
Tom Carroll, for example, yeah, you know, there's, there's endless, there's endless examples, isn't there? Villa didn't need just a man to to fill the numbers. They wanted somebody who could come in and, and significantly improve the team. War Prowse was the option. They couldn't get him. We knew that early in August. You know, I was reporting that very early in August that that Villa wouldn't be able to get that deal done unless they invested a huge amount of money, um, and that, and they weren't prepared to to go into that obscene amount of forty five to fifty million for Ward Prowse, who I probably don't think he's worth that much either anyway um so I could understand why they, d- they didn't want to spend that money on him um but yeah th- th- there's plenty of options there that they, they they there's hope for Sanson he played last night against Wickham um so he's on the road to recovery I I personally have to admit I haven't seen enough in him yet to suggest that he will come in and make a big difference Maybe that's been a little bit harsh because he only had a few games uh, last season. But in the games I watched him, he just didn't do enough for me. I would say, though, there was times when we felt that when Louise and Nakamba came to the club in that first season, we definitely felt that way. And Louise then showed really what a good player he was post-lockdown. Nakamba was better last season, I think, than he was the year before. So, you know, you've got to give players time to come good, especially when they're coming from a new country and they've got to adapt. He probably only started maybe two or th- two or three games, Sanson. I don't, I don't, it was, certainly wasn't many games. He started at all. I also think the people that are complaining, you can't really have it both ways. You don't want a club to frit, frit away money on, on players that aren't going to make you better. You, If you're buying someone, you want them to be better than Louise or McGinn, I, I would say, at this point. You also don't want to just bring someone in for the sake of it and block the likes of Ramsey, block the likes of Karner, because that's utterly pointless. You know, Villa fans want players to come through the academy as well. They're only going to get better by playing. Chuck Mameka... I don't think he was absolutely sensational on Saturday, but to me, he showed enough. And, you know, he's got some of the biggest clubs in the world have, have been looking at him and are interested in him. So he's going to want to play and get game time. I think with all those factors taken into consideration, you can't have it both ways. No, and that's what I alluded to in, in my article. You know, I said that part of the thinking was Villa want to develop these players. Chukwameka's 17 years old. I mean, I don't think he gets the credit that others of his age do I mean look Drew Bellingham is a better player than him he's slightly more advanced than him at this stage um, yeah. and, and, and Bellingham's think, a one-off though isn't and he look he's a generational talent we know that but Chuck Wemekin he's now playing in the Premier League he was at the back end of last season and at 17 that is such an incredible achievement he does not get the recognition nation, uh, nationally that he deserves at the moment yeah he does in, in the Midlands because we all know about him and, and know how good he is and know how good he's going to be but um He's he's going to announce himself this year. I think um, I think Agreed. he will be um, on everyone's lips at the end of at the end of the season. Um, and yeah, I'm sure he will gradually go through the the England teams quite quickly as well, and potentially become a senior in the future. So yeah, that that's one of Villa's thinking. And there could be a, there could be a long list of players that come through in future years because as, as we know, there's a real heavy push in the academy to to hire the best youngsters. Villa have spent an obscene amount of money, really, um, at, at building that at that academy. And, um, uh, I was speaking to a, a recruitment a staff member of who, who deals in recruitment at another club, and and he just said, "Look, you know, we we can't deal, we can't compete with Aston Villa at the moment because they have so much um, pull when they get in these youngsters in. One because they won the youth club last year, so that they can always you know use that as." Um, as, as proof 
and two, because they've got players that are playing in the first team now that have come through the academy. So it's a really good time at Villa. They're, they're in a really strong position to, to get youngsters in. Um, and the hope, you know, in the future is that they can become self-sustainable and, and not have to pay out these huge amounts of money um, to bring players into the club when they can produce their own. Yeah, one midfielder did move out. He was on the bench on Saturday, probably a little bit disappointed. Not to, not to get on the pitch the way the game, the game went and the fact that Ashley Young started in central midfield, which we'll come on to later in the show. But Connor Harahan, sad day at Bardell Towers as he makes a low move to Sheffield United. And then a really classy message on Instagram yesterday. Basically, I mean, his contract's up at the end of the season. He knows he won't be coming back to Villa. Sad, but glad that he's getting the football that he wants. Yeah, I feel the same. I was obviously at the Barrow game where he was influential in the win. I think Villa would have won without him anyway, but the fact that he came, he you know he just he just um, he just bossed that game for me, and I thought he was the first one to step off the coach. Uh, he was very very vocal and encouraging during the warm up and, and, and jeering up some of the the youngsters, um, and then he just sort of sat in the middle and, and passed it around nicely and um, and just led by example, and I thought. If he does, if that does become his last game for Villa, okay, it's only at Barrow, but it was a, it would be a fitting end for him. I think he's produced. You have you have players that come to the football clubs and have come to Villa and have and, and have been at the club for a long time and haven't really done anything. But Horahan's had real standout moments. He's he's had important influences in games, um, and 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 he's part of this journey that Villa have been on. So I think that's why the supporters really appreciate him. Yeah, I mean, he's been a great, great servant for the club. And it's like you say, those, those standout moments, so many important goals and assists through getting promoted. Even the back end of the season, we stayed up, you know, I think he got three assists towards the back end of the season. You know, Villa don't stay up without those contributions. He's He's been a great player. And for 1.5 million rising to, to 2 million, which we only paid that extra 500k because, he, because we got promoted and he was part of us getting promoted, you know, Villa have made few better signings over the last 10 years, I would say. Value for money. Look, him, him and McGinn are up there with the best ever, aren't they? You know, I think we we, we had a, we had a top three, didn't we, of bargain signings? And I think it was your choice, Dwight York. You know, a, a while back, I think the way they, they picked up off the beach, mate, it doesn't get better than that. It really doesn't get much better, does it? But um, you know, in, in modern sort of history, you know, you know the, these modern times, to get a player for one point five million like Harahan and what he did for Villa, and, and obviously McGinn for two point seven five million, just two incredible bits of business really in the middle of the park and, and let's not get it wrong Villa have wasted stupid amounts of money on players in the past so uh, yeah. you know it's about time they got something right like that yeah can't overstate enough what a great guy he is as well just loved playing for Villa really appreciate the fact that he was at Villa and would do anything for the cause I think whenever there was a scuffle or anything he's always the, f- the first on the scene as well even when the Blues fan came onto the pitch you know Connor's one of the first ones to arrive a great teammate and someone that will be really missed around the place but we wish him all the best at Sheffield United. Do you know, but Birmingham City tried to get him. They were interested in signing Did him, that? but I don't think he would have. Oh, I don't think he was interested in doing no, that move purely because of, you know, what happened with Jack, with, with, with the punching incident and, and, and the history. Um, I just couldn't see him ever being a Birmingham City player, but they certainly wanted him. Did they? Mm. No, he'd have had to have uh, blocked, me on, blocked me on WhatsApp if he'd gone to Blues. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have wanted to speak to him ever, ever again. If, if He would never have gone. I know that he would have no, never, I know, ever I know, I know. dare go to St Andrews. Apart from, I mean, Troy Deeney's gone there. I mean, as Troy Deeney says, they are the only club in Birmingham, according to Troy Deeney's welcome message. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Deeney because I, I just interviewed him before. Um, before oh, we don't want to hear about before this. Before we did no this podcast, and no. yeah, he, he he was 
he's an excellent talker, very, a very likable guy. I know Villa fans won't like me saying that, but he, he but he really is. In, and um, his aim is to get Birmingham back in the Premier League because he says, look, you know, this city is too big to have just Villa in the Premier League. And to be honest, I do agree with him on that. Well, it's all well and good saying that, Troy, but you've said in an earlier video, there's only one club in Birmingham. I mean, there is only one club in Birmingham in the Championship. That's correct. He contradicted himself. Not such a good talker. Yeah, he said he said the city is too big to have one Premier League team in there, which which I agree oh, with him. But, it's the second but he city. Forgot, but yeah, but he, he forgot about us when he was doing his video message <laughs> saying there was only one club in Birmingham. You can't just change it to suit your agenda now, Troy. But I'm glad you had a nice time speaking to him. I like Dean. Look, anyway, I know I'm in the minority, but I like him. I think he's a good guy. I've got. I would say I've got respect for him rather than rather than liking him. I don't, I don't like anyone that scores every time they set foot <laughs> against true. Aston Villa. To, to be honest, Freddie Gilbert's departed Villa again, as well, heading out on loan. Is it on loan to France? It's on loan, isn't it? Yeah, no, no option yeah, to buy. Yeah, again. Yeah, I suspect he'll just continuously have loans. When's his contract? Up? I think it's twenty twenty three. I still think there's two years left on his deal. But um, look, this, this, look, Gilbert was a player that. Um, Suso signed. You know, he was somebody that 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 Suso had scouted heavily uh, and thought would come to Villa and, and make make a difference. I think the bottom, I think the, the the cold hard facts around it is that just Dean Smith just doesn't rate really rate him. I just think that he think that's quite clear. Yeah. You know, he thinks that there are better players in his position and and that he's not going to make a difference for Villa. So that's why he's been let go. Um, there are lots of supporters messaging me over the last couple of days saying Villa shouldn't be letting him go. That he's a good backup option. Um, There's loads of people ahead of him to play right back, even if it's not their natural yeah, position. You know, Twan Zebi was signed to be a backup. Uh, right back or centre back. Ezri Konza, as we saw at the back end of last year, can play there. Ashley Young can play there. And Matt Cash very rarely misses games, so let's hope that continues. I mean, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for him, if I'm being perfectly honest, but if the manager doesn't rate you, there's absolutely no point sticking around. There's a couple of loans as well. Mungo Bridge and Dom Revan have gone out on loan, haven't they, Greg? Yeah, I think Mungo's gone to... Uh... Somewhere in the French third tier, hasn't it? So, um, yeah, look, you know, bizarre, s- s- slightly off my radar that one. So, I don't think I'll be um, keeping tracks on him too heavily. But look, good luck to him. Hopefully, he could be somebody that that can develop over there and and come back and be an asset for Villa in the future. Uh, Dom Revan, yes, yeah, stepped stepped up a level into League Two. Um, was in the National League last year. So, um, with with Revan, the the question marks has always been whether he's too small for a centre half. Um, you know, some coaches were telling me that they think he might become a better right back in in the uh, in the future. We, we shall see on that. I thought that he did quite well in the in in the national league with Weymouth. Um, be a bigger test for him at Northampton. Um, hopefully, he can shake that off. You know, and, and, and his brothers also, obviously, said he's also at, at Grimsby as well on loan. So, um, again, hopefully. They could they could become future assets for Villa, whether they become saleable assets or or players that will feature in the first team, remains to be seen. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Would you give our window out of 10? I was thinking about this earlier. I'm, I reckon what I say is going to be classed as two holes. It's difficult because they've lost. Their, Villa have lost the best player, so no matter what they do, they couldn't have. They couldn't replace Jack Grealish. So the window no, is nev- the window is never going to be exceptional for that reason. So um, if if they'd have brought the players in and not lost Grealish, it's it's a ten out of ten for me. But because they lost Grealish, I'm going to say eight out of ten. I was going to say I as well, maybe push it to an 8.5. Come on, we ain't, we ain't messing about with half marks, Dan. Look, that's a, there's I no just, need for I half marks. It's, it's no, an 8 or an 9. 8 and a half. I'll stick, with, I'll, I'll stick with 8 then. I'll stick with 8. But you know, I think Bailey will take on the Grealish role of being the go-to guy to get the ball to. They've added Buendia on the other side as well, who will add a, a different dimension to the squad when he gets fully fit and he gets going. There's now, there's now two goal scorers at the club instead of one. You know, arguably, being less reliant defense on Grealish. Defence is stronger. They've, they've got defense is always strong. Move, yeah, move angles on and, and got Twanzebi in. That's an upgrade. Yeah. Ashley Young is, has played in three different positions so far in, in three games. I think the window's been very good. And I think I think they have replaced Grealish as best they can. I don't think we could have asked for much more in terms of replacing Grealish, to be honest. I mean, what are they supposed to do? They're not going to go out and get Phil Foden or anything like that. You know, he's irreplaceable. And, and what they've done is they have replaced him with different players that have made the squad look a bit more balanced and made us stronger in attack. I think we'd have all liked the perfect number six, but there, there isn't one. So we haven't done it. I think considering we've lost Grealish, to come out with an 8 out of 10 transfer window is pretty good. Yeah, look, you know, I, I've been trying to put this point across. I think it's been a really good window. Um, of course, they tried to get Emil Smith-Rowe as a number 10. Of course, they tried to get James Ward-Prowse uh, as that sort of you know, defensive-minded midfielder. But... They, they weren't able to get those deals done, but I'm confident in the next windows that they'll get the players they want. But let's say they had got Smith Rowe. Where's he playing? Well, look, I think I think if they if they get Smith Rowe, they possibly don't get Baylor. That's probably how they would have worked. Or, well, or one of them, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they don't go for Ings. I, I don't know that. You know, I, I, I will have to find that out actually, because that, that's 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 an interesting point that you that you raise, and, and something I haven't really questioned. Um, so yeah, I, I, look, I'll look into that and, and and try and find out a little bit more. But I'm pretty sure if they'd have got Smith Rowe, one of the players that they got in would have been sacrificed. Um, you look, Ben Dee was already on board, wasn't he? Um, so, yeah, because look, he's in number 10, isn't he? He, he, he can play wide as well, cutting in, but we've got kind of enough players in, uh, who play that kind of role, I, I would say. It's, in, it's interesting. Maybe it would have, wouldn't have been Ings. Maybe it would have been Ings who, who didn't come in then, but I think that's a sensational signing, Danny Ings. He's already had three goal contributions in three games. So reliant on Watkins for goals last season. Now there's two absolute goal scorers out there. Yeah, I think we're in a great can't, position. Can't complain about signing Danny. No. It's fantastic. I think people need. I've, I've been really a bit surprised, a bit disheartened by some of the negativity I've seen on Twitter. To be honest, I know the, the start to the season's been a bit stodgy. You know, a win, a loss, and a draw. We'd have probably been hoping for at least seven points in them first three games. But I actually saw a lot against Brentford that really encouraged me, considering the amount of personnel that was missing. In a lot, in a weird way, 
I actually enjoyed the game on Saturday against Brentford more than I enjoyed the win against Newcastle the week before because I thought we played better. But then again, I don't know whether I didn't have my glasses on or whatever. I, I seem to be t- like my viewpoint seems to be different than most. I mean, look, you know, I I, I didn't watch the Brentford game because I wasn't there, so you'll have to educate me on that one. But um, I thought there were signs against Newcastle, especially especially in the second half, that that, that Villa would just be 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 good enough to edge out the games that are quite tense this season. Um, yeah. I mean, you'll have to tell me how they performed against Brentford because that was the one I missed. But um, I thought we were good. I really thought we were good. I thought we went behind. You know, we went behind against Watford on day one, and we absolutely fell apart. Go behind on Saturday, quick response, get a goal back. Danny Ings probably should have scored about five minutes after we scored as well. You know, he'll be disappointed he hasn't tucked that away. I thought it was a good response. I thought there was a ton of players missing that could have really affected us. I think Brentford was quite a difficult game because in some ways they're ahead of us because they'll have had a less disruptive pre-season. They haven't done loads of business and had a, a huge turnaround in the squad, so they're pretty set in their ways. They know what they're doing under Thomas Frank. You know, Thomas Frank and Dean Smith have obviously been in charge the same amount of time, and they've lost players. Brentford, yes, but you know, Villa have had a huge turnover in the time Dean Smith's been there. So, in, in a lot of ways, Brentford are not. I'm not saying they're further ahead of us because they would not be expected to finish ahead of Villa at all, but. Yeah, that game on Saturday, less disruption. They, they know what they're doing. They've had a good start. I, I, I thought it would be 1-1 with everyone fit. I predicted 1-1 on, on, the, on the other shows I do. To have McGinn missing, Mings missing, no Bailey yet, Watkins only for 10 minutes. You know, they're the kind of injuries last season that would have seen us lose that game. I was really encouraged by what I saw on Saturday. I thought we played some nice stuff at times. I thought Louise looked back to the player that he was post-lockdown. Had a really good game, particularly in the first half. I thought Target grew into the game after a shaky start. His fitness kind of got better as the game went on. Same with Buendia. But by the end of it, he was running full tilt, full pelt, pressing, which he wasn't doing at the start of the game. I honestly thought there was a lot to be encouraged about. What was Because um, I've, I've been a little bit, uh, not disappointed, just underwhelmed so far with, with Buendia in the first two games that I'd watched him. Was he, He's not fit. Was he better against Brentford? He's still a bit quieter than I, than I would like. You can see he's a classy player and he, and he works very hard, but the, the fitness isn't there. If you've only played one or two pre-season games, the fitness is not going to be there at the start of the season. You know, he's going off to Argentina now for two, well, I don't know how long. It feels like he's going to be there forever, actually, with all the stuff that's going on with that. And he's probably not going to play, is he? So that's not great. No, he, he, but you can totally understand why. He I wants know why to he go wants to go, and I back that. He's, he's never, he ain't play. he's never represented Argentina yet, as he's never yeah, actually yeah, got that. on. So he's, he's desperate to be involved, um, and, and I get why he wants to go. But yeah, it just adds to the disruption around Villa's start. Um, you know, God, I mean, we, we've been talking about disruption for so long now, haven't we? With COVID, and we just know that every club at some point is going to get these COVID setbacks. Um, and the difference with having international players as well is that they all want to represent the countries as well. And you know, Villa have got players that that have to jet off quite far away to play in in Jamaica and Brazil and Argentina, Zimbabwe. Um, you know, it's it's a you know multinational team that Villa have got now, and you know these disruptions are going to um, cause issues along the way, but. I, I just think, look, it hasn't been the start that they probably quite wanted, but a win, a draw and a defeat isn't the end of the world. Um, they're, they're pretty much where they were last year, aren't they? Mid-table, you know, getting four points out of three games. So, um, but I think I think when the season starts to properly shape up, Villa will be right there in the mix. I think they'll be up there. I think they'll be in the top 
top half of the table this year. And I believe that the players that we haven't seen much of yet will really help. I mean, like Watkins, for example. Yeah. Didn't miss a game last season through injury. Yeah. Start of this season when you've got injuries and disruptions anyway, he bloody picks up an injury. So Yeah, you've got there's lots of things. Nah, he know. looked good when he came on as well. He looked sharp. He looked really sharp when he came on. Ming's setback, obviously, losing Grealish. Um, you know, the, the, the changes up front, you're playing four, three or four new players in and around these front positions and they're trying to find their feet. They're trying to develop these patterns of play with new players and, and teammates. Um, and there's just no rhythm there at the moment, but hopefully Villa will, will find that soon. Even like Troy right? you know, he hasn't really been available. I know he came on in the, in the first game, you know, he's picked up an injury and hasn't played, you know, he would have had minutes so far in, in this season. And I'd expect him to have a better season this time round than, than he did last season because he's more adapted to to the Premier League. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on at Villa at the yeah, moment. That target as well, you know, he, he he was the player of the year last season, and then he picks up an injury during pre-season. And the, the reason why he was, I mean, look, not not the sole reason, but he was a little bit shaky, wasn't he, as we've seen against Watford. But again, he'd hardly had any days training. He was in a boot mm. most of the summer. So he made a great block at the end of the game against Brentford. Really, really astute piece of defending. People at the, it wasn't on match of the day or anything. But people at the game will, will probably remember it. Where yeah, he was caught in a difficult position where he either had to go with the man or block the shot, and he he kind of managed to do both. And in the end, cut off the shot and blocked it. Really important bit of defending, and he really grew into the game. You know, I'm I'm encouraged by what I'm saying. I think four points is probably a fair reflection of the disruption that we've had inconsistent and I think you know it's, it's always going to be inconsistent because of all the factors that we've just spoke about you signed a player in Leon Bailey and we've, we've barely seen him he's going to be a dangerous player for Villa he, he's going to be he's going to scare a lot of Premier League teams this this season Leon Bailey and we haven't been able to use him yet and we, with all due respect to the teams we've played in those kind of games and Bailey was only on for was he on for half an hour against against Watford Straight away, straight away, he looked really, really dangerous. So, so in these games, those players are going to be the difference makers. They're not there at the moment. Brentford looked scared when it was Watkins and Ings up front as well. They retreated. They were happy with the point as soon as they saw Ollie Watkins come on the pitch. You know, we have so many players missing. There's got to be a bit, a bit of realism. That, that Does that affect any team, let alone a team that is, is unfortunate? Unfortunately, you know, people say, oh, we're this many years into, into the owner's plan. But the way things have gone, we are in flux. People won't like it and it sounds like a cop-out and an excuse, but it's a fact. We are in flux. Yeah, yeah. It's been such a disruptive few months, you know, and that's going to continue. Have to realise that these things happen in football sometimes. You, know, you pick up injuries, you have players travelling to, um, you know, far, far away destinations. <laughs> Covid is still affecting football badly, you know, as Villa have seen. So... I just think that they're better shaped up to, to to still get points, you know, this season, even if these problems arise. So, I think we share the same opinion, mate. What did you What do you think of Ashley Young playing central mid? Well, again, you know, I can't comment too heavily on it because if I was in the camera, I'd be sat there thinking, why? Yeah, why I, you know, I didn't see how he played because it wasn't the game, but it's fine. Um, I think I just think that Dean Smith wants him in that team because. Because of his experience, really, you know, he pulls that team together so many times, and, and and when you've lost Mings, I think you need someone like that in there. So I think that was yeah, thinking of part of the reason. Did you know anything on Conter's injury? Obviously, he ended up going off. No, I don't. I will try and deal. try and update, um, you know, as and when, but hopefully nothing too serious. Now we've got some questions, Greg. Here, that's nice. We haven't done these for a while, have we? Yeah, we've got a question here from Sam H, and we've kind of covered it, but I'll ask it anyway. How long until Villa are able to field a full-strength squad 
despite seeming too large, with Emmy on international duty or Emmys on international duty and all the nagging injuries, it seems like it's going to be some time before the squad can establish some chemistry, Greg. Yeah, yeah, Sam, I, th- I think it will be. Um, just need to be a little bit patient, obviously, with, with the injuries and stuff. And uh, Traore, as you mentioned, Dan, previously still injured. That, that's a bit of a blow for me. Um, hopefully Watkins will be back for the next game. I think missing both Emmys for the Chelsea game will, will be a blow. Um, not so much Buendia because players can come in re- and replace him, but I just think Emmy Martinez at the back is is a big presence, isn't it? Um, the fact that Jed Steer played in the Barrow game will, will, will do him the world of good, give him a bit of confidence and a bit of momentum going into that Chelsea game. Um, and, I, and look, I, I back Jed Steer to 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 uh, to do a job for Villa when called upon, and so does Dean Smith. That's why he's kept him there. But you want your best players in the team, and, and Martinez is certainly one of them. So yeah, it's going to be a little bit of time. Um, um, until we really see Villa in, at full throttle, I think. Yeah, I mean, Jed Steyer's never, ever let the club down in in his time. In fact, again, one of the big reasons why we're in the Premier League is because of Jed Steyer being put into the side. So I've got no qualms with him coming into, into the squad at all. Apparently, he's been very, very good in, in pre-season as well, come back and been in superb form in, in pre-season. So that's really good to hear. Hopefully, he'll be sharp against Chelsea, as I imagine he will be relatively busy. Samuel P has asked, are you able to flesh out the reason behind O'Kelly leaving? Seems to be no real information and it's a bit of an odd one. Was he set to become youth coach? That made sense to me. Yeah, I, I, I did he was do... At the game, he was at the game Saturday, I saw. Yeah, I, I did do a, um, an article on on this, sort of explaining why he was he was let go. Um, if, I, if I can refer you back to that article, then then go and have a read of it. I'll, I'll briefly go over some of the details, if that helps. Um, you know, it, probably topical as well, because Aaron Danks has, has been hired today um, as, as, as the first team coach. So... Yeah, the situation was John Terry um, told Dean Smith that he wasn't really feeling feeling it this season and that he was going to move on. Um, he wants to become a manager at some point. So uh, he told him at the very start of the summer, look, I want to give you the most amount of time um, to find a replacement. So um, I'm leaving. Richard O'Kelly at the time said, OK, I've been considering leaving as well because... Um, I'm effectively the first, the fourth choice and number four in in the coaching setup. Uh, he, his role was pretty diminished towards the end. He wasn't doing too much. He wasn't having a big influence on um, preparation for games um, and things like that. So he was not a spare man because you know he's he's, he's Dean Smith's tried and trusted ally and somebody who he can lean on for advice. But he wasn't having a major impact on the training sessions and the preparation for games. Um, so he had told Dean that. He was considering leaving in the summer. He said, I'll work through the pre-season to help you get the lads ready, which was you know, a very kind and nice gesture from him. Got the team ready for um, the start of the season and, and then stepped down and um, Villa aren't replacing him. That They've brought in Austin McPhee as, as a set-piece coach. He will bring new ideas and, and a fresh outlook on things. Um, and, and, and now Aaron Danks will as well as a first-team coach. So that's the new setup. Dean Smith, Craig Shakespeare, Aaron Danks, and Austin McPhee. Yeah, what do you, what do you know about Danks? Yeah, so he was um, a coach at Birmingham City to start with. Uh, moved to uh, West Brom. I think he knows Mark Harris, uh, Mark Harrison from from the setup at, at West Brom. I presume that will be part of his uh, part of the reason why he's coming over. Um, spent a little bit of time with England. Worked very much on 
the, the attacking areas and the, the offensive side of things. Um, I did report when John Terry had left that Villa were looking for a more forward-thinking coach, somebody who could focus more on the attacking area. Um, that certainly seems to be the case with, with Danks. Um, and most recently, it was at Anderlecht, wasn't he, with, with Vincent Company? Yeah. So only only had a few months over there. But I, is that where we've got him from? I, I, yeah, Anderlecht. He yeah, he's That's been right, he's been yeah. serving his notice at Anderlecht, and then he's we've had to wait to, to get him appointed. Yeah, yeah. So you know, somebody from the area which which will help, and uh, you know, knows how 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 big Villa are and and what he has to do to to settle in here and, and make a difference. So yeah, exciting times. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Finished then, as ever, with the top three. So, in time-honoured fashion, Villa did have a quiet deadline day this year, but I've been asked to come up with my top three deadline day moments involving Villa. I've got to be honest, I had a look. Villa aren't an active team on, on deadline day, so the three that I've picked are probably going to be the least exciting things ever. As a, t- as a top Midlands journalist, Greg, or global journalist oh, nowadays, don't put me is, there any de- is there any deadline day memories of yours that stand out? Oh, yeah, I mean, Odin, Odin Winger, as we know, when when he tried to move from West Brom was was the big. Care one. about other clubs? Greg. Are you on about Villa? Villa thought you meant. Well, you did say a global journalist then. I mean, well, yeah, know, we, we we were stretching out. Um, Come on, global Greg, stretching out six miles up to uh, the Black Country. But um, no, 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 we don't hear about this. We've already had enough about Troy Dooney in this podcast. Uh, oh, wow, goodness me! Um, I'd be surprised. If I, you can't think, I can't think. I can't think of many. I mean, look, you had bloody. When Dawkins came in and every, nobody really knew who he was, that was a Simon Dawkins. You know, I actually interviewed Simon Dawkins for a, for a piece in the Athletic, which is worth a read actually because it was a good good interview. Um, but yeah, I remember the sort of surprise and a little bit of excitement and anticipation because nobody knew, really knew who he was. Um, I was excited because before my media days. I Gareth Bale was doing a QA and a a couple of days after we signed Simon Dawkins so I asked him a question about is Simon Dawkins <laughs> a good you? player is he going to work is he going to work out at Villa and Gareth Bale replied saying yes very good player well he yeah. <laughs> never played <laughs> well look he was Thanks, really Gareth. highly thought, thought of at Spurs and he was you know in and around the squads and travelling to a lot it was almost like that 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 nineteenth man, which they're called now, you know, when, when you when you travel with the squad, but you don't get in the actual squad. Um, and he, he was young at the time, but yeah, just just didn't really work for him, did it? So, there aren't many memories from deadline days with Villa, to be honest. It's quite, it's quite and boring. Shall I give you my three? And I, go on, let's go for it. Usually, I'll give you some form of order, but even at the time, they don't, they don't always feel that exciting. Like they might turn out to be good players, but it doesn't ever feel that exciting. I don't think we've ever had that wow deadline day sign in Villa. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, there's never been one there hasn't been no. and thought, there hasn't been no. no. So some, I'll take you, let me take you, I, I picked all summer ones to stay on trend, stay topical. Three. We take you back to summer 2005, Greg. James Milner from Newcastle on loan to replace the departing Nobby Solana, who 
packed his bags before he was actually agreed that he could go to Newcastle, but he was so desperate, put his trumpet in his bag, off he went, off he went back to Newcastle. So and then Villa got obviously got Milner as a replacement. He had a good, had a good season for us that year. Also signed, also signed Eric Backer on loan that day, but that wasn't as exciting if I'm being honest. Two. Then we got summer two thousand and nine, the Collins and Dunn combination. To be honest, that was out of necessity. We need, we had one fit centre back at the time, Carlos Quella, so we needed some centre backs. Yeah, I remember the two of them coming in. Um, good, good signings really for Villa, weren't they? I mean, you know, yeah, they, they, did okay. they, they, they did all right. They did a job for them at, at the time, and um, yeah, look, didn't really work out in in later years when when Gerard Julio didn't fancy the two of them. They thought thought they were a little bit of a bad influence. Um, but Martin O'Neill certainly liked them and got got a lot out of them. Had a good season that season, didn't they? And they played a big part in that good defence. I think that was the year Friedel got the most clean sheets. Yes. Just now been equaled by Emmy Martinez. So, you know, we had a good defence that year. To be fair, so I'd say it's a relatively good deadline day for Villa standards there. Final one. One. Summer 2012, Paul Lambert just raiding everywhere. <laughs> The players for cheap. Slovakia, Poland. we doing at, at that point. So we signed Ashley Westwood, who I still think is an excellent footballer. Jordan Bowery. And then the big one, the big man, Christian Benteke on deadline day 2012. And that turned into a good signing. Very good, yeah. Um, Alex McLeish is very... Uh, he likes to take the credit, doesn't he, McLeish? He loves, he likes very to keen to, 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 to let people know that he, Benteke was on his hit list. Uh, when he was at the club as well. So, um, yeah, Villa had a, what they call a recruitment team, I suppose, then, and, and a database of players. Were, um, I think Paddy Riley was it was uh, in charge of those at, at that point, if I'm getting my dates correct. Um, so he played a big part in that as well too. But yeah, look, Ben Tecki was fantastic, wasn't he? Came in and, and, and really lit it up for Villa. Pretty much a one-in-two record, which in a side that struggled for relegation three years running. I think that's a pretty, pretty good record, £7 million. Didn't know much about him at the time, but I think that we can all agree that turned into being an excellent deadline day signing. Just before we go, time to tell you about next week. So with the international break underway and Greg on his travels, we're going to do a big mailbag because we keep forgetting to ask for questions, if we're being honest. So we're going to put some, some questions on Twitter next week and myself and Greg will try and answer them. So we'll put out some tweets nearer the time. But if there is anything you've got a burning desire to ask now, then you can find Greg and myself on Twitter and ask us and we'll get it into the script. It says here we're going to put a request on the Athletic app as well, Greg, so people should be able to ask us through there as well. So ask us anything you like, preferably about Villa and, and football, to be honest, that, that would be preferable. But yeah, anything you want to know, then ask us. Don't forget, if you do want to use the Athletic app, there is a third off the subscription to the Athletic at the moment when you sign up at theathletic.com slash villabud. I think that does us for today. So until next time, have a safe trip, Greg, and thanks everyone ever so much for listening up the Villa. Athletic.